the Baltimore Ravens. Flacco, pocket collapses, running to his right, trying to extend the play. He's in deep, looking for Steve Smith Sr. He makes a catch at the 20, spins free, 15, flag is down, 10, 5, touchdown Ravens! Steve Smith from Joe Flacco for 80 oh, yards. no, no! But they're going to call it offensive interference. You go into these games and... You do your best to go out there and, and do all you can to win it and put points on the board as an offense and as a defense to keep them off the board. So, you know, if I had to guess, I'm, I, I guess it wouldn't be a 50-something to 40-something shootout. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It was one of my favorite radio calls of week number eight. Jerry Sandusky, the play-by-play voice of the Ravens, along with Kadri Ismail, who's not only a former Raven, but a good friend of mine. And that was the touchdown that was not a touchdown because of the offensive pass interference late against the Bengals in week eight. And so now they move into this matchup with the rival Steelers. And both teams are five and three. And you heard Joe Flacco talking about it. Expect tough, physical, a lot of ground and, and pound you're talking about two teams that know each other very well. There are no secrets. In addition to that, do not like each other. And it usually turns into a real grind fest. So that's the Sunday night game. Every team in the AFC North is above 500. This one carries major implications. Steelers have already lost to the Ravens once. Can't afford to do it again if you've got designs on that division title. So it's obviously one of the biggest games of week number nine. After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio, cbssportsradio.com. We want to preview that game between the Ravens and the Steelers now with Glenn Eunice, who joins us from 105.7 The Fan, one of the hosts there for our CBS Sports Radio affiliate. Well, how excited are Ravens fans, Glenn, for this game against the Steelers? They're jacked up, but they're trying to inflate themselves back up, Amy, from the loss last week against the Cincinnati Bengals because they needed that win badly. Of course, losing week one uh, in Baltimore to Cincinnati, they needed to get payback, and they did not, by the way. This Baltimore offense befuddles me. So let's start with offensive side of the ball. Sometimes they are lights out. I'm thinking about the half that Joe Flacco had with five touchdowns, Uh, even thinking about their game against the Panthers, where clearly they wanted Steve Smith to get the ball. So first half, he has a couple of scores himself. At times, they can do whatever they want to do. And then there are times when they just can't get out of their own way. What is the deal? A NFC North, Amy. The the, the South, I should say. The the NFC South is what's done it. They, 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 uh, they, they, they beat up a bunch of bums. I mean, you talked about the Tampa game. Tampa, is that a real football team? I'm not sure. Carolina, <laughs> sure. Atlanta, I, I don't think so. But here's what it really is. The helter-skelter team is the offensive line was injured. They had a guy named John Urschel and, and James Hurst. They were, they were rookies, undrafted guys, getting starts at left tackle for Eugene Monroe and at left guard for Coleccio Semele. They were back in the game last week against the Bengals, but Monroe came out, so John Harbaugh says, to rest him while he was working his way back into shape. But I think the offensive line is clear. If Joe has an offensive line, they can run the ball, and they're a pretty good running team. Play action sets up. He can pick anybody apart. If the offensive line isn't great and Joe's getting pressure in his face, then he's in big trouble. And I think working back into the starting lineup, all five guys are there now and healthy against the Steelers for a big primetime Sunday night, as you mentioned, all the huge games. And that's a big one, of course. I think the, the, the hidden little secret that not many are talking about in Baltimore is 
the Ravens' offensive line on the left side got their feet wet against Cincinnati, and they should be fully lathered up Sunday night Steelers game. And I think that's the hidden secret that may, 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 may get that offense back to where you're talking about. What do you remember about week two when the defense held Pittsburgh to just six points? It was unbelievably dominating. 26-6, who would ever thought it? And you thought Pittsburgh's never going to get off the mat. Who is this team? What is this team? I remember it being total domination. But I also remember, unfortunately, what the Steelers did in their last game against the Colts where Big Ben looked like Joe times 10. You talk about Joe in that Tampa game. Big Ben, 40 of 49, was mm. 522, six touchdowns. That's unbelievable. So I got to tell you, week two, Raven Steelers, short week Thursday night, Steelers had to travel, you know, if I want to make excuses, but that's the reality of it. Uh, that's what I, I remember that, but I remember more what happened a week ago when Big Ben went slicing and dicing of Chuck Pagano's defense. Yeah, it's really hard to figure out what's going on with the AFC North. So as you talk about, the Steelers are coming off a game in which they hung 51 on the Colts, but they've also lost to the Browns where they got just hammered. They got manhandled in the first game against the Ravens. Plus, they lost to Tampa Bay, the team that you're talking about. Uh, You know, it's such a huge victory for the Ravens. And same thing goes for Baltimore. If you're talking about getting swept by Cincinnati, but looking at a division crown, that's kind of tough. Yeah, it's very tough. And it goes back to what you said in the intro. You know, the the AFC North, every team has a winning record. I don't think that that automatically puts the moniker on, on the Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, Browns division as best division in football. To me, that's a bunch of mediocre football teams beating up on a terribly bad uh, NFC South, as we already talked about, and kind of just treading water as, we, as you just outlined against their own. I mean, I think that's what it is. I don't think any team's I hate to use this word, elite. I just don't. I don't think any team – I mean, what does elite mean? I don't think there's any really great teams. I think they're good teams, and on any day, they can put up a stinker, and on any day, they can light it up. I mean, both teams, Ravens, Steelers, have shown that against odd opponents. Glenn Eunice is with our CBS Sports Radio affiliate in Baltimore, 105.7. So a couple of big changes, obviously, offensively. Steve Smith gets the deal after – Panthers, inexplicably, in my opinion, let him go. What has he meant inside that locker room? You can't even believe what he's meant. I mean, you, you really can't believe. All the hubbub he gets nationally, it's even more locally. And it's legit. And I hate to do it because it's cliche, but it's true. He filled the shoes in that locker room, the tough shoes of Anquan Bolden. After the Ravens won the Super Bowl, we know what the exodus was, whether retirement or free agency or just please leave my locker room. We won a Super Bowl, but I don't want to put up with you anymore. That's kind of (laughs) paraphrasing maybe some thoughts that people have about what Coach Harbaugh may or may not have done. But they needed a tough edge, right? And they needed that tough edge specifically on offense. We know what Suggs and the Ravens' defense has. They always have that edge. He's a nut. He's a maniac. You need that, by the way. But offensively, they didn't have it. Joe has his nickname, Joe Cool, Joe Flacco, because he's unflappable, and that's amazing in a lot of spots but this is still a contact sport this is still a fiery person's business and they didn't have that per se on offense steve smith does that and oh by the way at 35 killer hands can sit soft knows how to use his body and may or may not push off and take it Uh, i just love the fact that he has such an edge to him okay so also in the locker room the the number one ball carrier on the ground has become Justin Forsett, replacing Ray Rice, obviously. What has that meant, him being able to step into that hole and fill it after everything that happened with Rice? It's been unbelievable, super unexpected, but uh, clearly a, an unbelievable thrill. 
listen, when he first signed with the Ravens, I'll be the first to say it. I, I, second thought. I go, okay, it's a guy that Kubiak knows, guy that knows his offense, he and Owen Daniels. They'll be a conduit to Gary Kubiak's offense on the field through training camp. And maybe Justin Forsett will make the roster. Maybe he won't. But with Ray Rice and Bernard Pierce and the rookie Lorenzo Taliaferro, at the time you're going, well, they're not keeping four backs. And Justin Forsett's a journeyman here to teach these three running backs who will make the team what Kubiak wants and then he'll move on his merry way. Instead, the whole Ray Rice thing blows up. Bernard Pierce gets dinged and dented early in the season, as he's apt to do as a backup, and that's why he was inactive, part of the reason he was inactive against the Bengals. And Justin Forsett says, oh, opportunity? Cool. I hear you knocking. I'll take it and run. Pardon the pun. And he went, he's gone bananas. And the rookie Lorenzo Taliaferro has been really nice in short yardage. He's a big back. They liked him because of the ability of pass protection. And he has really had an actual short yardage. You saw it uh, against the Bengals on fourth and one. They didn't go to him in the goal line where they risked it early. But Justin Forsett has been a godsend for the Ravens, for sure. Especially, we know Gary Kubiak's offense is a run first, one cut and go in that stretch zone read. He has been amazing. Ray has his appeal hearing coming up this week, or I guess it's the first week in November, right? So that's where we are. Uh, what do the Ravens expect to happen, if anything? Oh, Lord, Amy. Who, who, who knows? Who, who knows? Um, there's a one-point, call it $5 million hold on their cap number uh, because that's kind of the rules in the CBA, and I'm not going to get into a whole legal mumbo-jumbo because, quite frankly, you'll need to throw me a life vest. They'll be in deep waters. I can't swim in. But I, I think what they're expecting to have happen is it comes back that they don't owe Ray any money, and they move it on. They've given him a bunch of his bonus. I want to say about $25 million. Don't quote me on that number, though. Um, I'm pretty sure the salary that he's trying to get now is probably not going to go to him, but who knows? I, I, I am no attorney. Hmm. The fans come kind of come to terms with that? I mean, fans moved on, I guess? I think they have in large part. You know, I, I got to tell you, and I talked about this um, on, on this network when they've asked me during the Ray Rice situation. I, I thought the, the press conferences were handled odd. But the, to me, the, the tackiest thing, and I'm not exclusive to this opinion, was the Ray Rice jersey trade-in at the stadium on mm. a Saturday and a Friday and Saturday. I didn't know what that was about. Look, I totally get the team needed to separate themselves from Ray Rice at the time. But an overt, outward to me, totally transparent and hollow, uh, hey, come on, trade your Ray Rice jersey, uh, assuming you bought it at the team store or at NFL.com, and we'll give you a voucher or a jersey, which they ran out of, you know, the popular jerseys, what have you. But I just thought that was, you know, if people want to separate themselves as fans from Ray Rice and they spent their money on a Ray Rice jersey, that, that's on them. The team doing a jersey trade back was odd to me, but it showed people wanted new gear. To me, that didn't show that, oh, the te- they're lined up to support the team and they hate Ray Rice. To me, it's, oh, it's an opportunity to trade in a jersey that I've had for how many years and get a new one. That's what it was to me. So I think the fan base taking calls and listening to people, they were done with the topic of Ray Rice long before we were done talking about it, and that's just what it is in our business. But, yeah, I think they're over it now. It's, it's about winning football. I, I, I know we're short on time, but a quick story. A few years ago, Ravens had their training camp in public at McDaniel College here in Maryland, Westminster, Maryland. They moved it to the Owings Mills facility. So from public, free, come any day you want, watch the guys, what have you, to totally contained. And about half the city said, this is outrageous. I take my kids there, et cetera, et cetera. The other half said, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And they won a Super Bowl, and, here, and, and no, one said, no one said different of it. So I think they're over the Ray Rice thing, yes. All right. Well, 
As you know, it's all about the winning. Winning kind of cures everything. And right now they're poised in this game against the Steelers to potentially take first place in the AFC North. You can follow Glenn on Twitter at G-U-N-I-T radio. And Glenn, you <laughs> better you say it than me. Uh, he's with our CBS Sports Radio affiliate in Baltimore where we get lots of calls and tweets. 105.7 fan. It's good to talk to you. Have a great Sunday. Amy, thank you too. Enjoy it.